Welcome to Joe's Mental Health Awareness, uh, which is part of the uh, Build Mobility Podcast Network. Uh, this is also a part of Jaws Coffee Jab. And would encourage everybody to uh, uh, check us out on all of our social media pages and like, share, subscribe, and so on. And uh, press it over to, or we have Jen and we also have Kurt Raskoff here. So I'm um, pass it over to Jeanette to then get the uh, started. Alrighty then. Thank you everybody for tuning in, for watching or listening. Uh, thank you in advance for subscribing and following us wherever you found this. <clears throat> um, Kurt, are you still with us? Yes, I am still here. Thanks for noticing. So it's interesting. It's interesting um, what we've been talking about for the last so many months that you were telling me earlier recently happened. What would you, what would you, uh, based on what we know, what would you advise those who may have mental illnesses or know someone who does? So what would I advise for someone? You know who what has we talked about a lot in the, uh, the veterans and suicide and the news you shared to me this morning, right here in our own circle. Yes. So, so first of all, with the veteran suicide aspect, um, the idea is peer support is you know, is very important. Um, so as much as we non-vets want to help, we can, because the important part is to have someone um, that they can talk to and that will uh, listen. Um, you know, but on the other hand, in terms of the overall process, like on Project Die Hard, um, you know, they have a, a suicide prevention uh, phone number there, but it, it is a line that is devoted to veterans and staffed by veterans. So a veteran is talking um, to another veteran. Um, so, but in terms of things in general. Um, yeah, because think about there's, yes, veterans highly struggle with suicide and depression or something else as well. Onset them to have those thoughts. But what about, you know, those who aren't veterans, so they can't talk veteran to veteran? Like, is there, you know, would you give the same advice for them as far as developing a social circle and having those friends that you can count on or family members who are understanding your condition and maybe seeing a therapist or what do you think? Well, I guess... Um... <clears throat> You know, about nine days ago, um, you know, we're running, you know, our World of Ability podcast and our friend Tony um, shared a little, you know, a little story about, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a distract because it's about a, a father and a son. And it was a little story about a son who um, was working with his dad to deliver newspapers you know, so that experience of doing that and what happened was, is the father had to go, go take care of something for a while inside. And the boy is out there more just to himself. And the boy decided to, um, to go on a mission to impress his father and to go ahead and take this wagon full of newspapers and, um, you know, start rolling down the road and doing it. And so he no more and got to the corner and navigated the street and, and it didn't go right. And the next thing, you know, all of a sudden everything tipped. And then with the, the wind that day, there were newspapers flying, you know, and it, it just really was upsetting 
you know, right, right from that point. And so when the father came to find out what was going on, uh, the, fa- the son kind of talked about, you know, just what I was saying, you know, he wanted to go out and press, press him and so forth. And, and the father asked him, he's like, did you use all your strength? And this went around, you know, yes, dad, I did. You know, I, I had control of it. I turned it and the thing just did it. You know, did you use all your strength? So the biggest thing of this was, this was a teaching moment of the fathers for the son. And then after this goes back and forth a handful of times, finally the father said, or asked, um, son, did you ask for help? And the boy said, no, no, I didn't. And the father said, well, then you did not use all your strength. And, and so that that's a little story about, um, you know, about this issue that, um, you know, it's a general thing for people to be afraid to ask for help or that not just, just not being your inclination. Um, well, I was so about yes. to say, I think that's more of a struggle with men than it is women. Like the, the need to ask for help versus the trying to be Mr. Independent. I can do everything without people, you know, without others. Right. Right. Um, you know, so, so the idea is again, peer support is very useful. Um, you know, so, so again, in terms of for all people who have a mental health issue, um, someone who's going through mental health challenges, being able to talk to another person who has gone through as similar as possible, or at least in some sense, being a peer that way, um, that that's helpful. Um, but even if you have not um, experienced the journey of mental health challenges or with the particular situation, you know, not really on top of the best things to say. Again, the important thing is not to worry about, you know, when you're trying to help the talking part, other than to ask for permission to not just go in and help whether they, whether they want your help or not. You know, it's all about uh, permissive, like offering it and see whether or not they are not going to um, help or not, or uh, want your help. And, uh, so, so the other thing is listening. So the idea is if somebody's going through a mental health challenge and you provide them an opportunity to talk and you're the kind heart, kind soul and open mind, um, just sitting there ready to listen, that is powerful when you just open up the space and, and you just let them talk and talk and talk until it gets to a point where for a little bit of time, that they're clearly waiting for you to say something next. And then you just do your best. And the other thing is like on the aspect of suicide um, to definitely, you know, write off, um, you know, whether you have to go to Google or whatever, you know, get the national suicide hotline ready and, um, and then get them involved uh, right away. And if you're with the person, you can say, what I would like to do, if it's okay with you, I would like to, you know, for them to help me you can kind of position this is to help me that I want to help you, but I would like, I would like to have the help of the national suicide hotline. And I would like to dial them and then have you in here, but I'll be helping. They'll be on to help me help you. And we can all have a conversation. Is that okay with you? Because that's, that's a stronger situation than if you try to help somebody on your own. And if they're open well, to the I was going to say another tactic is calling 911, especially if you know someone's either, either wanting to commit suicide, wanting to attempt, or that you know they have, but they obviously failed because they're still alive. Like I've had neighbors yes, so- you know, I talk times that I've actually tried it myself. I actually went crying next door to this girl that used to, she's lived next door. Someone else lives in that house now. But like, she was a close friend of mine and we're really close in age and everything. I went crying to her and I said, oh my God, I can't believe this. 
I just tried to kill myself last night and I can't believe I woke up and I'm still here. So she asked me, well, okay, well, so you got your backpack, where are you going? And she asked me to text her the address. So I was at Starbucks, but I just texted her. She says, will anybody be there with you? And I said, yes, Mr. Lawrence, a uh, best friend at the time that I don't, don't know anymore. Uh, he's going to meet me there and he's going to spend the whole day with me watching out to make sure I don't hurt myself while I try to find a hospital to put myself in. And then he's going to give me a ride to the hospital so I can admit myself. Well, she got all that data, my name, the, where I was about to Uber, how long I was going to be there with somebody accompanying me to oversee that I don't actually try again, right? And she said 911. She called, and, the diff and it was... Um, the the police or sheriffs whatever you call them but she told them how i had attempted suicide you know as opposed to attempting a crime right so they instead of like arresting or anything those cops came and found me at that starbucks and asked me if what she said was true and i was honest with the police so they gave me a ride to the hospital after they got my insurance from me and found a um local in our side of town um, mental health hospital that takes both of my insurances and had a bed available. So some people may not think calling 911 is the right thing, but that is an easier option if someone thinks they don't have time to find the suicide line, right? Because the police, or even if it's ambulance, or, you know, to inform what the, what the response system is in that particular county or whatever, or city, that's another way to get them somewhere to get help that will help prevent them from falling victim to their thoughts, you know, being successful at the attempt, right? Yeah, exactly. And and I want to go back to your point about 911. I mean, 911, yeah, that that is, that is great, a great way to go because like I said, if you're up against having to Google the uh, National Suicide Hotline. Um, the, you know, the aspect is you can uh, request with 911 um, to, you know, to loop in or to connect the call as well to the National Hotline. The reason being is that 911 call centers, you know, they obviously do get some training for you know, um, being in the middle of a suicide ideation situation. Um, but the idea is that they're more of a generalist. They get trained to come in from the, from the mantra and training of like so many situations they have to respond to. Um, the great thing about the national suicide hotline is that's a specialty item. So, so then that way you're, you're talking to a little bit, I don't want to say expert, but you're dealing with people that have a little bit more experience and the level of training that they get is a little bit more extensive than the uh, 911 operator because, um, because again, the 911 call centers, I mean, they have to do a soup to nuts, you know, all emergency calls. Whereas the National Suicide Hotline, they're just laser focused and, you know, they... They're dealing with that all the time. It's the only thing they deal with because that's but what it also, is. Also, here's a good question, though. Many people may wonder, doesn't Suicide Hotline also, once you tell them that, that you, whoever it is, either someone you know is attempting or has attempted or that you yourself are in that mindset to want to attempt or maybe to have already, that wouldn't they still end up in the end calling the 911 to send somebody to get you to a hospital? So are you really adding another step? Yeah, I would say, I mean, because I'm trying to speak to this in terms of since we're talking to it, you know, let's let's talk about, you know, uh, what are some tips, you know, for helping as much as we can. Um, so... Right. So I just thought that is, the idea of seeking help on behalf of somebody that you know that, that may have or may 
being the risk of attempting is part way of helping them. See what I mean? Correct. So, so yeah, I, I definitely want to be a part of encouraging people that if they think 911 can help with anything, yeah, I don't think anybody should be in the business of discouraging people from calling 911 unless it is, you know, people just, you know, wanting um, things that are non-emergent or, or not to this level of severity. But yeah, in terms of potential suicide ideation and just really, you know, because that's a situation you don't want to leave uh, without there being a plan for, you know, you got to think about every minute, uh, you know, from that point forward, like, how are we going to make sure that there is support for the person across all minutes? Because if you do some things and, and you're not entirely, um, you know, making the needed connection, um, you know, all of a sudden there could be something unfortunate that transpires and then then you have that regret. So, yeah, have a 911 call center to have those professionals involved. Um, but, yeah, I. I guess I'm just advocating that we don't replace the benefit of the national suicide hotline and, um, with 911 alone, you know, so, so, so what is the benefit again, of suicide the hotline? So what is the benefit of suicide hotline? Again, the benefit of the National Suicide Hotline is that um, when you call and they say their name, like if I was there, I'd say, hi, I'm Kurt. You've reached the National Suicide Hotline. How can we help you? You know, it's like you, you're right away there with this feeling like, okay, you're in suicide ideation and you're talking to somebody who um, who's like right there to read the situation. And that obviously many other people are in the situation, which is true, but it, it immediately creates that mindset. Like if you as a friend say, you know, um, Bill, I would like to, you know, if you don't mind, I would like to, for my help, um, I feel more comfortable. I want to help you and I can help you with nothing else. But I'm just saying that I'm asking if it's okay for me, if I get 911 on the line and I can tell them, Hey, I'm here with my friend. My friend is having some fun. Thoughts that, and then that can. And then, um, and then to, I'm looking at it as a tip to say it may be something to ask the 911 operator if they're able to connect with the call um, suicide hotline. Because if you have a 911 operator on with the national suicide hotline, and then they're helping you and you're helping the friend, now your friend has a little bit of a team there and you have a specialist from the hotline, you have emergency response. If getting EMTs there or whatever, is something that'd be helpful or a police officer or whatever. I mean, you, you just know who's the one that might be able to help or critical response team, you know, yeah. 911 on there can help do all that kind of stuff. And sometimes the national suicide hotline, if you reach them first, sometimes they're doing what I'm just saying. They might be in their call center and say, um, is it okay if, can you, can you stay on the line for me? I'd like to connect your local emergency response center. You know, and then they might be going the other way, queuing up all that so that the, you know, so you can do it um, in either order. Uh, but I do encourage both, you know, and, and there's a little bit of judgment with the actual situation. I mean, it's a little bit of practice. You don't do stuff because you can all the time. But that's just the idea is, is um, have that in mind that if that situation arises, and you're trying to sincerely help, um, you know, to to think of both of those things. You bring up the good side about 911, definitely, um, definitely go that way. But um, 
I encourage people not to forget about the National Suicide Hotline as well. So speaking of the National Suicide Hotline and not forgetting about it, could they, this is something I know I'm wondering and some may also. Kurt, are you still with us? Emily? Yeah, actually, it looks like he dropped off. He was having some issues because did you notice how he kept breaking up? Like the all right at the end with his Wi-Fi or something. Um, but yeah. So maybe I can see if you can answer this question I was about to ask Kurt. Does the National Suicide Hotline help with other mental health stuff? Like, let's say somebody's depressed, but they haven't reached the point of suicide. Um, I'm not totally for sure on that. I think maybe a little bit. Otherwise, um, they would try um, um that's a Kurt question. If not, they'll probably like figure it out some somehow, even if it's not. Even I think the main thing might be suicide or somehow ref, uh, uh, referring to uh, um, getting the right right help. Okay, I guess did Kurt have another event at three or something? I believe so, yes. Okay. So, based on uh, the conversation Kurt and I were having, did you have any thoughts or input? You know, our whole idea of people when they or they say themselves needing to take action to get help or talk to a friend or maybe someone who is that friend and trying to be able to help the person out? Um, well, I think it's still using um, um, using both both things is important. Um, um, to have, so is that uh, your advice for the friend or for the person? Uh, I guess for both. So maybe encouraging people who may also have depression or other conditions like, let's say, PTSD and it's the flight mode or other low moods to actually speak up for themselves, calling suicide hotline or 911 and maybe even texting or calling their different providers like a psychiatrist or therapist. Yes. Initiating the response when you notice your mood is low enough that you're in danger of that thought or process or attempting to reach out to a close friend or relative that they're close enough with that they can basically share anything without fear of judgment. Yeah. So nothing. So the situation doesn't get get worse or and there is something that didn't really need need or want to happen so I heard you experienced something similar what would you advise people based on what you experienced well I've had a little depression that's never gotten to even close to the point of suicide or anything but I have no but I heard about a friend didn't something happen to a friend recently? Uh, yes, uh, somebody, uh, uh, a friend of mine committed suicide. Uh, who was um, so based on that? So you're a friend of this person that did it, and and share with people how that impacts you, like the toll it took on you of losing the best friend, or what other emotions to help people who have it to have suicidal thoughts to understand why they should not obey. 
the temptation? Um, well, sometimes it's a little tricky because um, um, because if somebody sees somebody who think, they think is maybe either heading that direction or in that or there, um, they might not actually they may not actually be there, even though there may be showing signs of it. Then there are um, other people who seem perfectly normal and like they don't really have any depression or at least serious enough to get to the point of suicide, like my person from a few days ago. And they, um, they seem normal and they end up committing suicide. So it, it's kind of a tricky thing. Some people that look like they may need it might not. And other people that don't look like they do may, may actually need it. Um, so it, what about the toll it took? It, what was the impact that took on you as a best friend of someone? Like, did you feel a loss? Did you feel like, what did you experience? That's why those who may be attempting should not, at least in the perspective of their friends and family. Well, I wouldn't consider it best friends, but um, it was more of an acquaintance than anything else. But still, um, I had... Um, um out them several times and um it kind of came as a uh, little bit of a um surprise and shock and um since it always seemed like he wasn't in that place at all like he was like a, a happy go lucky was very like happy. And so that's where I was saying that um, about sometimes it may seem like everybody's okay, but they really need it. And other times that they seem like they need it, but really, I mean, so it's, it's, it's been getting a little hard. So in other words, you're saying your friend or acquaintance, you called them, was basically one of those that puts on the outside that they're perfectly normal, but deep inside, there's obviously something going on. Yeah, like, like nobody knew. Well, there could, I mean, I'm not saying that there could have been somebody who, but um, like, all of us were aware that it was as bad as it was, that he was kind of at that point of suicide. Like so maybe that's also be, a tip for listeners. Somebody, like, there could be somebody trying to sign something like that at that point, but then really it's, I don't really know how to explain it. But then that could also be a tip for listeners. Of if they are that person that struggles, then maybe they need to at least stay honest and upfront with how they're doing with their providers, like a doctor, therapist, and their, their at least closest connections, you know, friends, family, at least they're closest and be honest about what's going on because that friend or family neighbor in my case couldn't have done anything if you didn't tell them yeah so that's basically the need to communicate as well mm -hmm. and i know kurt at one point said whenever you're, you're going through these if you think you are one of these people that struggle with suicide or at least tempting or thoughts of it Tell someone. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell someone. Someone you trust. I could quote Kurt saying that before. Yeah, so you don't want to end up having a situation that... Yeah, we don't end up having a situation that... Like an unnecessary situation. That somebody didn't want to happen, to happen or anything like that. Well, if someone told their close, their, already if someone told their close friend or relative, then it'd be the liability would be on the friend or relative to actually call for some kind of help based on the being aware that the whoever is struggling. 
But often when we're the ones that are struggling, uh, like you're saying, they, they sometimes keep it private to themselves. And when they do that, the friends or family can't really, quote, support them in terms of helping them know they need to get help and getting them to the, you know, clinic or hospital or wherever. If that person doesn't make the support system aware, at least a few people in it, they're their closest. Right. Are you okay? Yep. And then, and then, I mean, and then, then I could get to this point of now the person isn't around and yeah. So did, did that make you feel guilty or like you're partly responsible or anything as being a friend of the person that had the struggle? No. Um, cause I wasn't really that close with the person and we had hung out a few times. But it's still kind of a sad situation and have a um, still kind of as came as a surprise and a shock that actually happened because none of us really knew that he was at that place that he was at that point to actually actually go through with it. And mm -hmm. so. Well, this is pretty interesting because January typically is the higher suicide month. And the timing of that person you knew kind of seems to follow the trend of what statistics show in mental health. The winter months, the darkest months, like me, like gloomy or literal dark in places like Alaska that have six months of darkness and then six months of daylight. But that whatever kind of darkness, January and February tend to be the worst, and January is the one with the highest suicide rate nationally. Yeah. So that kind of follows the trend of what, you know, whichever... Uh, national group found via research that follows the pattern they found or at least that they communicate but then i've heard recently that a lot of that is because it tends to be the more gloomy and dark months and that even though not everybody has the kind of depression I do that's getting depressed because of lack of sun, what they call seasonally affected depression, a lot of people don't have that. But they have some other kind of like clinical depression or something else. And somehow, even though theirs doesn't correlate with the lack of sun, there's still so many people with depression still are impacted more heavily by the months that tend to be the darkest and cloudiest without it being the kind I have that's related to the lack of sun, which kind of shows to me like there is some kind of small amount of need of, of exposure to sun by everybody and not just those in my condition. It may need, you know, a larger amount of sun to stay balanced. It's like often, even when we go to somewhere like Miami, we think of it as being a happy place, but those tend to be the sunniest places too. Like, you know how, Cal you know how like Florida is sunshine state. Mm -hmm. But they're also very far south where it's a lot hotter and um, people can be outdoors more. Not to say it's not too hot for some stuff and you be pouring sweat and want to go in, but you can get quite a dose of sun down there compared to up north in, in say, an hour. All right. <clears throat> like a lot of people associate Hawaii as being, it has a like a positive um, meaning to it. 
a lot of people think vacation, happiness, you know, joy. But it's actually more expensive to live in than New York and California. Because they cannot mail anything since they are an island somewhere around halfway between California and Asia. So flight, air is the only way to deliver anything there. Or to get anything produced there, like say coconuts, from their island to other places like, like the mainland, as they call us, that's the, you know, 48 states in the bigger part of the U.S. It's, you know, they, they have to pay air fees for everything to be shipped in and out. And so anyways, to say that um, because that their cost of living is a lot higher than California's. So also there's the other end that they have a lot more homeless people and so forth to have a lot more people that are going without and more so without than the mainland does. But still we get, we don't look at that perspective. We instead see, oh, well, it's a sunny day. It's, you know, that's another place. There tends to be a lot more sun. And it's got a positive meaning because of the sun association. I think it's a great place versus like um, my accountant. He's been working with me since maybe 2011 or 2012. But he's been my CPA for years. And <clears throat> he told me actually the main island, the one that's the biggest, only has 30 miles in diameter. All the way across from one side to the other side is only 30 miles. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I go 30 miles one way, not all the way across, but just one way. I'm barely in Houston. You know, go from Berkshire to Katy, then to Houston. That Forget about all the rest of Houston and all the other places in the other sides of town. That's like Katy would be, Katy and Berkshire would be all there is to the island. You know, the two suburbs right here near me. Without the whole, quote, mainland, which is the big metro area of Houston itself. And so to me, that sounds like kind of trap. You don't have very many places you can go. And neither would you necessarily have much option if you opened a business to have a place where you could rent the space for your business. You know, a retail or an office or something. So that, to me, sounds more restricted. But so many people think of Hawaii and they got this all wonderful, relaxing, vacation, perfect honeymoon and all these other kind of meanings to it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's because of the sun. Because otherwise, we look at the real economic situation and it's not really as great as people make it out to be. Remember when, um, what was her name? The author, uh, Marianne, remember when she was there? And we were having some of these video meetings. Mm-hmm. And I remember like one thing she said was about listening to the seagulls or was it watching them or something? And I'm thinking to myself, well, we can do that right here in Houston without having to be in that restricted only 30 mile, 30 mile area of, of land. So we got seagulls right here because we're on the Gulf Coast, the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. So some of that stuff like her that she was talking about was so great about being there. I'm like, okay, I don't have to be there to do that or to enjoy that. <laughs> That can be a bomb backyard right here in the mainland. I guess maybe it's for, you know, those people who aren't either on an island like Hawaii or near the, near, um, near big water, like an ocean like that, where mm -hmm. seagulls are not Common. Is it common up there in Wisconsin near the Great Lakes? 
I'm sure there are probably seagulls. I use seagulls there too, but um, um you I haven't been to yeah. the Great Lakes to know. What? Have you not been to the Great Lakes to know? It's been a while. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, mental health is an important topic. Oh, yeah. Health, I just saw general, it. health in general. Go ahead. Yeah, health in general, especially mental health. Really important. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. I think mental health goes uh, too low on the priority list because until the pandemic, there wasn't really much attention being given to mental health and research related to them compared to since the pandemic when it became the big mental health crisis among other crises. And hopefully that will bring some kind of positive change. You know, if it hasn't yet, uh, more research, more treatments, more broad understanding of the general public and not just simply people that are somehow linked to somebody with mental health issues. And maybe even help those yeah. who have it and may not know they have it because like, um, I know when I first started getting depression uh, and they falsely diagnosed me as bipolar because, you know, PTSD wasn't even around back then. But um, <clears throat> when I was originally diagnosed, I remember I thought I was demon possessed. I, I didn't even understand myself that it's something actually wrong with my brain. In this case, the chemicals, not the actual tissue itself. But I remembered myself before I turned 14 and what I was like 14 and after. And so I just saw I had a demon possess me. And that was a little bit more appropriate for the Christ talk, but still that it was that even though I was a person with a mental illness, I didn't understand it. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. I personally couldn't tell that something was different about me besides thinking that I had evil thoughts and stuff like that because of the the fight mode of wanting to retaliate and other things that come with the fight mode and in the flight mode and other things that are associated with it. You know, since what since who I am is the only person I ever have been, and that's really all of us, right? Then I didn't know why suddenly I started having these kind of things, you know? And a lot of us try to have yeah. ways to explain it. But in reality, it's where, at least at the beginning, often we ourselves, with people with mental illnesses, don't understand that something's actually really wrong with us. Uh, or sometimes they may know something's wrong, but they don't know really how to explain it or really what it is. Or they may not know what kind of help to get to figure out what that something is. Like you said, they may know something's odd and different. But they may not necessarily know that's medical or what kind or to see a doctor for it or a therapist or even to possibly know that there are doctors and therapists like psychiatrists and so forth that are there to treat it you know but with a lot of times i've heard from my therapist and psychiatrist that there's a lot more people who need help with their mental health than are willing to reach out and get the help they need my psychiatrist told me at one point that she thought that there's a lot of people who don't understand that something's even wrong with them because of what you said. They may know something's different, but they don't know necessarily that something is wrong with them. And I can only imagine as what I was saying, I went through when I was 14 and I first got diagnosed and first started developing the symptoms of my PTSD. I can only imagine someone who's never been normal in that sense. If they've always had a mental health illness, how are they to know that it's not normal? Kind of like I remember when I was in school, K to 12, 
even preschool, but the whole growing up thing. I had a seizure my whole life, epilepsy. So I thought it was just something that everybody has and everybody deals with. And I didn't understand why I was being made fun of for it. You know, what was so different about me that other people don't go through? Because I never knew life without it. So, like, I'm sure people have similar with mental health, right? Oh, or with anything, not just, yeah, any kind of situation, yeah. Well, I think that's with a lot of things, but just, you know, this is our mental health, child's mental health awareness, and that's what I was saying. Yeah. But that's probably true that it it applies to a lot of other medical, um, you know, whether it's chemical or physical sense of the body and brain that's not right or different or has some kind of malfunction. I mean, like my dad, he's always eating fried food. He's always eating all kinds of heavy, greasy food. Even if it wasn't really fried meat, like to have breading. It was made in a pan where you use butter or something to put fat on it. Like he's always had that kind of diet. And he always told us, like, yeah, I eat healthy. I do my best, and I'm always trying to eat healthy. Well, then we went for Thanksgiving and later for my birthday in December, you may remember, Emily, that I wasn't there because I was at my dad's. I wasn't here on the podcast because I was at my dad's. And he's eating fast food. His lunch is from some fast food restaurant nearby. His dinner is. He doesn't even eat breakfast. He just drinks coffee. And where on this whole chain of every meal is fast food or he doesn't even eat and he only drinks something, is that defined as a healthy diet? So like with him, I don't think he understood the nutritional side of healthy diet. So he was always eating unhealthy, claiming to be doing his best. In reality, I think, is that he never really understood you know, what is a healthy diet? What are all the nutrients that the body needs? And what are the food sources to get those various nutrients, like fiber and greens? And that's where I say, like, you know, how many of us don't necessarily know something's wrong with whatever it is that causes some kind of medical or mental? Maybe we think we're doing the right thing and we just don't really because we're not we're not doctors. We're somebody else in, in some other kind of field, right? So we don't know that stuff. And yeah. if we don't know that our perception is different or is just in the absence, how are we to seek the help and know what kind of help we need or even that we need help? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of a puzzle, isn't it? Because it's like we go into the world blind and we have to discover the world around us. You know, as kids, it's usually the immediate, like your family in the same household, and then it extends to your extended family. And anyways, it goes from there to where as adults, we would hope to have a broader sense of awareness in general, you know, not limited to a certain arena of life. I mean, yeah, we all have careers of some sort, so we understand certain things better because it's our, our profession, but still in the general health. A lot of us want to understand maybe why we need to exercise or why we need to eat these certain nutrients or what are these nutrients we need. And maybe we wonder start wondering that when we have weight problems or whatever reason that we think our we think our eating habits need to change, even though even though like a lot of people may do that seasonally. You know, I'll just go on this diet and then after I lose however much weight, then I'll go back to my regular diet. And what usually happens, regular diet puts the weight back on. So that's to say, it's still that we may not necessarily know. We experiment, but we still may not know, but we hope to, through these experiments, to learn and eventually achieve goals of good health and stuff like that as we realize and our senses of the world around us broaden as we get older. Yeah. Well, we're almost done 10 minutes. Uh, do you have any announcements for World of Ability or Project Die Hard or anything? 
Um, um, <clears throat> I think I have a, a couple things here. Um, the first weekend in February, the third, fourth, and fifth. Um, for those of you who are Seinfeld fans, uh, the Raskoff family is having a, um, a festivist uh, event um, with the feats of strength, Aaron and grievances, um, board games. Uh, there's also going to be karaoke um, Friday the 3rd. Um, so everybody is invited to uh, join us. Um, and uh, Zoom will be going. So um, for those of you who need to join us on Zoom, uh, the um, result name is Ability Now. You go into Zoom and Ability Now instead of the numbers, um, should bring you right in to where we are. Another thing uh, coming up in a couple months is on March 17th is the Happy Neighborhood Project's uh, International Day of Happiness event. Uh, the official International Day of Happiness is on March 20th. However, Happy Neighborhood Project decided to celebrate it the Friday before. This is on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, from 9 a.m. Pacific to 3 p.m. Pacific, or noon uh, Eastern to 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, there'll be uh, speakers, networking, prizes, uh, entertainment. Um, tickets right now are $30. So it will go up to 40 on February 1st. So I would encourage everybody who is uh, planning on attending to get their tickets ASAP. Uh, also for uh, anybody who is um, uh, wants to be in a part of setting a Guinness Book of World Records. Um, we are looking to set the world record in the most people speed networking at one time at this event. <clears throat> uh, so the current record is 1,068. It was set in 2014 uh, by Belgium. Uh, so, encourage everybody to join us. Um, you don't have to stay for the whole six hours at one time. Um, you can come and go as you please. Um, and as far as um, Project IHARD, um, uh, in the end of July, there's going to be a event that Project IHARD is putting on called Hopestock. Um, uh, about combating the uh, veteran suicide and uh, helping veterans and bringing hope and that kind of thing. Uh, so stay tuned for uh, more information on that. It will be coming out in the coming months. So back, back to you, Jennifer. I do. Did you get through all of yours? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, so Jaws Coffee Chat podcast, as well as Jen's Books and More, um, that's a basically store with books and more stuff. Uh, the I, Jennifer would occur the author write or co-write and or ghost write. Um, we are looking for a social media candidate to help 
uh, doing postings regularly for our social media. We are also looking for a virtual assistant uh, to help with various um, executive assistant kind of roles uh, between scheduling, contacting people on behalf of our company and networking and so forth, many other tasks, but just a virtual assistant. And we are also looking for someone with press release background that can release press releases regularly for the um, publicity and try to get word out about our podcasts and our um, other events we have, like autograph events and so forth. That said, if you're interested in any of these and trade for a percentage of our um, profits, then please schedule with us on calendly.com forward slash Jen's Books and More. That's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash J-E-N-N-S Books and More. If you'd like to be on our show um, to share something about yourself or your product or service or your cause in a nonprofit or whatever else you stand for, please book with us by going to uh, Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash Jaws Coffee Chat. That's Calendly dot com forward slash J-A-W-S Coffee Chat. Uh, and that's where you can book with us to reserve uh, a spot to be here on the podcast with us where we can interview you about whatever is your cause or your business or your product or whatever it is that you have to offer the world and to bring awareness to um, you and what you stand for. Um, for those of you who are interested in more about our podcasts or about me as the author, please be sure to visit our website at jensbooksandmore.com. That's J-E-N-N-S, booksandmore.com. Uh, that's our website where you'll find our other episodes of our podcast, prior or soon to come, as well as uh, whatever current ones we're doing at the time that you can watch while we're live. Uh, but wherever you found us, Please check out our website, but please also subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast app and or your favorite social media app, wherever you find us. And we appreciate your support and we look forward to continuing to help and serve everyone of you and achieving various uh, improvements in various sides of life, like this show being for the mental health side, awareness or understanding for those with mental illnesses and those who uh, may be associated or friends with someone with them. Emily? I also encourage everybody to, uh, again, like to um, encourage everybody to um, check out all of our social media links, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, um and others and to comment like subscribe share um on there for those of you who have any um their questions comments concerns whatever you can either um, connect with us either on our social media or at uh, jaws coffee chat at gmail.com uh, so on our social, all of our social media, or at jawscoffeechat at gmail.com. We are here every Monday at the same at the same the same time. Um, so every Monday at two thirty p.m. Central or three thirty Eastern. Um, I encourage everybody um, to join us if you are interested. 
um, or to tune, uh, tune in and kind of ask you like to be on actual show with us. So our, our next uh, mental health awareness is next Monday, January 23rd at uh, 2.30 p.m. Central. Um, so hopefully, hope to see everybody, hopefully to see everybody on there. And on behalf of Thomas, I'd like I'd like you and and uh, viewers and listeners to all know that on January thirtieth I'll be in surgery. So yes, um, the show will still be on with Emily, Kurt, and possibly John, but uh, I, the owner Jennifer Whitaker, will not be on it because I'll be in surgery that day. So I won't be on any of the three shows that day. Carry on. Um. So I guess on behalf of uh, John, Kurt, John, and or hold on, well, I'd like to uh, give special thanks to uh, Marcus Hart of Transforming Media, uh, Jay Stoyan of the Disability Channel, and Zach Clayton of the Back Channel, and allowing us to have this show on their platforms. And on behalf of Jen, Kurt, John, and the rest of the World of Ability Podcast Network, uh, we wish all of you a safe and productive week and to stay happy.